Hey everybody, it's Nolan North, you know, Nathan Drake from Uncharted, and you're listening to the Geek Apocalypse Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the Geek Apocalypse Podcast with yours truly, Mr. Stephen Hesse, and firstly, an apology for the delay in episodes. Uh, you, if, you're, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, this is where in the introduction I spend my time apologising about stuff that I've done wrong, which is often the case. And this episode's been delayed by a couple of weeks, and the reason for that is because I don't know whether or not I have SARS in Season Effective Disorder, or January Blues, or whatever it is, because I get incredibly depressed around this time, and uh, I haven't got better, and it's not fun. And so uh, that's why there's been a delay, as well as obviously the, the holiday period, which is uh, stressful for everybody, and you got to go and you know see people and whatnot, which um, you know was nice but stressful. And so um, I my plan is to catch up right now. Uh, so apologies to Neil Gibson, who's today's guest, and I'll talk to you talk to you about who that person is in a second. But just to give you a brief outline of what I'm planning on doing is I'm going to release the episodes that I've been recorded that are on my laptop right now. Um, also, we have some internet trouble, I should say, as well, with Virgin Media. I was one of these people that in the UK got trouble with their broadband. So my broadband's been on and off consistently over the last three, four, maybe five weeks. So that's not fun either. Um, so that's been affecting the recording podcasts. But anyway, so um, the plan is to release this episode um, and then a few others that are in the pipeline. And then I'm going to plan on doing a solo podcast to talk more about the stuff that I'm referring to that's been bothering me and then do a review of 2016 with Ricky as well as a upcoming one about 2017 so like a look forward to what we're excited about seeing um, and then uh, let's go and then my plan maybe is to take some time off in February because when I release all the episodes and my plan is to do that before the end of January is I'll probably have done about about 48 episodes in one year um, so give or take a, a, a week off here or there I've really not had any time off from anything the entire time I've been back basically in civilization so I really think I've reached the point where I need to take some time off um, so that's my plan so that's basically what's happening so anyway so that that's what's in the pipeline so Neil Gibson uh, he does T-Pub Comics, which you can go to tpub.co.uk to find more information. We talk about the Twisted Dark series, which he, he sent me some stuff of, and it's excellent. Uh, very about, like, you know, sort of dark stuff with a twist, hence the name. And a bunch of other stuff that he writes, and he sees companies, so we obviously talk about that. They have a competition right now, which you can go to. It's about a filmmaker opportunity to basically, if you can do your own adaptation of the Twisted Dark series, with a chance to win some money. If you want more information about that, go to the main page with your chance to win five hundred dollars and being showcased at chicago comic-con um so it's really fun great episode you'll really like it and obviously we're on twitter at geek underscore apocalypse and if you're on itunes please just consider subscribing to get the episodes when i upload them so apologies for the delay and neil's a really fun episode hope you guys enjoy it and uh, we'll be back very soon for another one enjoy <laughs> No worries. 
Twitch at all, and uh, it's really, really nice to get the opportunity. I mean, everyone knows I'm a big, huge, giant geek, and so the idea of getting to sit and talk about comic books is slightly, uh, slightly fun. So I'm really excited to, to, to talk about this. So um, I, I, I always feel to provide the, the sort of 100%, you know, context of how I became aware of your site is through Ricky, who sometimes co-hosts this podcast. Um, came across your website and I think he was talking to you about being involved in it in some way or something like that. I can never remember the, the whole story behind it and then he went, oh you should have these guys on and then when I went on the website I was like, this sounds really fun and interesting. So um, I guess like that leads to the first obvious question of saying, so your site, how long has that been around for? Um, I think the current one's since 2014. Mm-hmm. So just over two years. Um, okay. It's, yeah, it's mostly there because to showcase samples of what we have because I just genuinely love comics. I want to get more people reading them. That's my mission in life. I want mm-hmm. to get more people reading comics. Oh, you are welcome to this very podcast. <laughs> welcome, friend. Come join us. Uh, um, so, uh, and what is your involvement in the website? Did you make it? That requires talent. No. <laughs> no, I am. Um, I run the, the company, uh, T-Pub Com- Comics. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the main writers of uh, the comics that we make. Um, so I, I had a hand in uh, in how I wanted it to look, but actually actually making it, no, that requires some skill, which I do not have. <laughs> it's so funny because you made me laugh because I was thinking, like, you know, I, I even though it says on our website that uh, I had no say in, I, I basically said, I'd like it to look like this, and then got a friend of mine who is an actual website designer to uh, go, can you make it look roughly like this? And he made it far better than my any of my imagination would make it. So, so yeah, I totally understand what you're on about. So, um, so that's always interesting because a lot of um, podcasts that we've done have a lot of people who make their own businesses and start from scratch so that's an always interesting avenue to go down is that did you decide to do this because you didn't feel there was an avenue beforehand or was it something different um so why i decided to make comics is that the question? no i meant like how the actual site and you said it, you run the company is that right yeah uh like why uh, did you start doing it why because like well i have to take a step back on this one then yeah um, go we have time. <laughs> well, I, I came to comics late. I, I assume comics were always the Beano or, or superhero stuff. So, mm. um, and though I liked some superhero stuff in my teens, I, yeah. I got I, I got bored of it. I thought it was all kind of the same after a while. Yep. So I, I felt I'd grown up. Um, <laughs> and then it's, it's true. I, I, I think a lot of people do when they read comics. They, they, yeah. they like it and they, their taste change. But... It's like saying you're growing out of films or growing out of books. Mm-hmm. You don't read the same books at age 10 as you do at age 40, but you still read books. Yeah. And you don't want the same programs at, t- at age 10 as you do at 40. Mm-hmm. So, but people assume, like I did, yeah. all comic books superheroes. So, but there's so much great stuff out there. In my mid-20s, I read a good one. I mm-hmm. couldn't believe how much it made me think. Um, I became hooked. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just a fan for many years. Then I was on a project in Qatar in the Middle East, and I had some free time in the evenings. Normally, I work ridiculous hours. Uh, I was home by seven every night. I had all this free time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I'd try writing a comic. I, I'd never, never done anything creative in my life before, but I, I did, and people really liked it. That's so cool. 
That, that was a shock, though, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, yeah, it always is whenever you start something and go, wait a minute, like, people are listening to this or people are downloading this, <laughs> and you're like, what? You know, it's like, you know, it starts like, you know, I always make the joke of it always starts in your sort of bedroom and then it ends up sort of expanding to something and you've got no idea how it ended up that way. It's always fun. Like, but before we get to that, I'm, you, you've got you've got my curious juices flowing and going, what were you, can you say what you were doing in guitar? What, what was your job? I was a management consultant. I used to help companies improve their operations and bottom line. All right, okay. And so, how how, how did it end up going to guitar? Was you just got sent there by a company? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I worked all over the place in uh-huh. around Amsterdam, Scotland, whatever. I've, I've worked in lots of places around the world. Wow, that's kind of cool. Because I'll be I'll be honest, right? I was a part of me was going. I was hoping you'd say no because my brain went to that you were some sort of like James Bond character, and you couldn't say you could say oh, I was in guitar, but I just can't tell you, <laughs> <laughs> which I was all would have been. That, that, I would, from now on, that's my response. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but tell you can, <laughs> but you can background related. It's like I can't talk about it. <laughs> but then it would make for a boring interview uh, if that was the case. But um, so yeah, that's interesting. So why? So was it based on like you said that you just sat there and thought, oh, I really want to be creative with something, and I've got all this free time, and you just found yourself going, you know what? I'm going to try comic books and see where it goes. No, no, I. I- I never actually wanted to be a comic book writer. It was never an ambition of mine. I just really love the medium. I love reading great content. Mm. Um, I just thought, why not? Why not create my own? See yeah. what happens. Because um, I'd love, uh, I'd love to actually have been involved with, um, with, with I don't know, Marvel or DC or all those other big companies before mm-hmm. previously. Because I, I just care about it. But I didn't have that option to me. I had this other job, this other career. So I thought this is just I can still be part of the comic medium this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I put the first book out, and it went to number one in the UK on, on Kindle. And so I thought, okay, now I've got a dilemma here. Yeah. I'm doing my existing job, which has got a future and pays well, <laughs> or I can take a risk, and every day of my life's a holiday. Yeah, yeah. Risk. <laughs> which is what everybody I've spoken to has said, that it's always sort of, sort of interesting that people leave. I'm, I was in the same boat leaving a job even the job that you kind of go, oh, it was fun, and it, it was, it, you know, as you said, it was security and various other reasons, and people go, oh, I can try and do this thing that's going to be really, really a struggle for a while, and it might not work out, but I get to wake up every day and, and like, work on it, like, how, how like, cool. Um, I mean, I remember, like, the, 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 interview, the interview that comes to mind recently is talking to, to David Kingsbury, who is the personal trainer of Hugh Jackman, and oh, wow. he was really into, he was really into fitness, and he had a similar story to me that he like hurt his knee and he was going to be a footballer. Like that was my that was my sort of um, thing that was happening as a teenager. And then basically, he still like I mean, he's different to me. I'm not into fitness at all. Um, so that was why it was interesting. Got asked him some pointers and stuff. And he just said I still wanted to do the fitness side of things and work around my injury. So he kept doing it, and then it led him to get a gym in Pinewood Studios, and he spends his time training Hollywood actors, and it's like, well, that's kind of a fun deal. But he basically, you know, it's, it's just, the reason I bring this up is this this element of risk. Like, it, it it sort of leads to this idea of it can be quite rewarding, and there's definitely stories out there that can let people know that it can happen, you know, whatever field you're in, so that's always, you know, it's it's taking the first leap, like you said about, you know, taking the spare time you've got and go, I'm going to try and do this and see what happens, so. Um, so so what was your, like, you've already sort of touched on this, but I'm really intrigued to know, like, what was your first reaction when you looked at the, like, the <laughs> looked at the charts and went, this is number one, like, what, what was your response? 
I, well, I, I didn't know. I didn't look at the chart. Someone just told me. All oh, right. Okay. And I was and uh, what? And they, they looked at me like you don't you, you don't know this. You don't. It's like no. Yeah. So, um, well, I'm sorry. I, I wish I could say something really motivating. No, no. But that's you 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 know just to make you feel better. Um, it was when someone told me once I was in the top ten of a certain like podcast site. I was in the top ten of the most listened thing the listened thing on that website. And I went, really? <laughs> like, like, I don't look at them at all. I don't look at any, I don't look at any of the things. I, I obviously look at like my own numbers that I get given back, but this idea of like checking where I am in charts and stuff like that, I have absolutely no interest in. But it's always nice when someone has the, the, the nice TV code. Do you, you notice where you are? Like, um, I'm like, yeah, like, thank you. Then. So. I, I will be honest though, I, I did get a bit drunk that night. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, drunk, drunk with, drunk with, um, I'm assuming you mean drunk with like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> or was it drunk? Was it drunk as in you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Yeah. Like, what do I do now? Yeah. Was I was it... pretty happy about a few martinis. There you go. Yeah. I'm assuming like regardless of the fact, it's still a pretty cool situation to be in. It's a good dilemma to have. Um, I always say that whenever, you know, you, something becomes unsu- like surprisingly successful, it's always a good dilemma to have. It's like to not, not know where to take it. So. Um, but yeah, so so the so what when you sat down and decided to do the comics, then so what what inspired you to write about what you ended up doing? Like tell tell the listeners like what 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 was what was the the thing you wanted to write about when you were doing the comics? Um, like, did it take some time well, to figure out? No, no I, actually, it's amazing. I've, I've calculated the time I've been working in comics mm-hmm. less than zero point five percent has been writing. Yeah, the rest is spent marketing or just managing it. I mean, yeah. writing is actually very quick for me for some reason. Yeah. Um, what I, I write different types of things. I, I will say that comedy takes a lot more effort for me mm-hmm. uh, to make it consistent. But plot is 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 rather straightforward. But yeah. what I started with, my biggest seller, is a series called Twisted Dark, mm-hmm. and they're all dark stories with twists. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think what motivates me in that is I'm fascinated by people's decisions but really their motivations because everyone acts logically in their own head but to someone else that's madness yes that's because of their different um, beliefs their different uh, driving forces I mean I heard about this one guy he he loved his children mm-hmm. so he was going to kill them <laughs> because, because he loved them because he felt that he was a failure in life yeah. and they were happy and they were young they didn't know any better but if they grew up they'd see the harshness of reality um, they know what he, the father was a, was um, a, a failure. So if he ended their life now, they'd have a perfect life, and he was doing them a favour. <laughs> yeah, which to anyone else would be, you know, uh, I don't know how best to say this in a nice way, but like that crazy, you know, I guess crazy. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But, and it's, but people have they make it. They, it's all very logical in their head, and that, yeah. that's that's what fascinates me. But mm. in terms of why I started with those types of stories rather than science fiction or fantasy or whatever, it's because. I was ter- I was I was new at writing. I'd never tried it before, mm. so I was I was terrified of being boring. So I thought <laughs> if I wrote something that was creepy and dark with a twist, it'd be less it'd be more compelling, less likely to yeah. be boring. That's why I did it. Yeah, and I, and that in it in to to pat yourself on the back in terms of it being logical, as in that it gives you much more of a chance to be entertaining. Yeah, so that makes that makes a great deal of sense. And also, you reminded me when you said that. Um, it, this is one of the reasons I find fascinating, and sometimes you get dodgy looks when you say this. Is this is why I like watching serial killer documentaries for the same reason that you just said. Is that the 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 common theme in all of them is that they believe what they're doing is perfectly rational. 
mm. even yeah. though uh, to everyone else it's like you, you know any any else of observer you're, you're clearly insane but to them they justify that they, they can justify their actions because they think there's nothing wrong yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And everyone does this at to some degree. Yes. Uh, for example, even if it's just exercise or, or diet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, it's just, just one. It's just, just one slice of cake. It's not that many <laughs> calories. Or, yeah, <laughs> it's Christmas, or, and you rationalize. Yeah. They used to. Other people just take it to another level. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. To an extreme level, which is why it makes it a why while it why it becomes you know untenable or or a point of no return type situation. So yeah. Now that makes perfect sense. So. Um, so were you always like sort of into or inspired by dark material before you even wrote your comics? Did you watch like thrillers or something when you grew up or any that kind of thing? No. No. Well, I, I did, I did <laughs> love uh, reading Tales of Unexpected, uh, Twilight Zone, ah, yeah. um, uh, that, that sort of stuff. I'm yeah. Like, I, I actually really like short stories um, because you get a lot of um, concepts and twists in a short period of time. I, mm. I do like long stories, but I'm a big short story fan, especially yeah. uh, Isaac Asimov, um, because I, I, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he, his series, Foundation series, was voted the best science fiction yeah. series of all time. Yeah, yeah. Even though that's voted the best of all time, I think his short stories are way better. I don't mm-hmm. think he's that good a long-form writer, but his concepts, every short story, is, bam, starts to make you think. Bam, what a great idea. Mm-hmm. I love stories where I, I, when either the twist is so strong or the concept is so good that I actually stop reading because I want to think about it. Yeah, which 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 is exactly what you want if you're a writer. You want people to think while they're reading it, so that makes perfect sense. Um, it also makes perfect sense as to why you would probably look down the avenue of doing comic books because they have to be sort of short, but in you know sort of tight and make sense. And as you said earlier about plot and. Various well, other things, but actually, I'm not sure I agree on that one. Okay, I went down comics is because I just love the medium of it. Um, yeah, because it's with a book you can go at your own pace. Mm-hmm. You can, um, um, sorry, and you can you can create the whole thing in your head. And if you spend a few, if you want to get lost in the world, I think books are one of the best ways to do it. Frankly. Yes. Um, but with films, you're limited by the director's vision. You see exactly what he wants to see, you to see at the pace he wants you to see it. Mm-hmm. Now, some people, when you speak to them, they speak too quickly, like I'm used to doing quite often. Uh, some people speak too slowly, which drives me nuts. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, that's not, they're, they're, they're my uh, pet peeve as well. Like, yeah. just talk quicker! <laughs> yes. Um, so, we don't get a choice with film, but with books you do. It's your own pace. Yes. Content is wonderfully in between because you can go at your own pace. You can spend as much time to absorb all the information in a pro picture if you like, if you want to, or you can just skim it and move on. Yes. But there's so, a picture says a thousand words. There's so much detail. You don't have to describe uh, like the, like Thomas Hardy, a big landscape of what's there. You can look at it, or you can just say, okay, I've got it, and move on. Yeah. And be guided by, how, by the size of the panels, how much dialogue there is, so you can increase the pace without even realizing it. Yeah. Um, so it's, I think it's one of these situated between both mediums, and that's not to say one is better than the other. I think they all have their own advantages. Yeah. Um, but there, but that, another way of saying that is that none of them are inferior to the other. And a lot of people look down on comics, which is my my pet peeve. Yes. No, I know. I remember just before we started doing this uh, sort of recording the podcast, as I remember, yeah, that was something we were sort of talking about before we even started, and uh, that is something I hundred percent agree with you on. Um, and 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 you're right. It's because one of the things, 
like just to elaborate, just to, to, to reinforce your point, you, you got me thinking, you know, com- when you write comic books, as you said, it's down to the person's writing, its interpretation, and how absorbed they want to be. Whereas to compare it to films, like you were saying, it's one person's point of view, as in the person who made it. So, um, so yeah, no, that, 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 that's actually, you know, a, a very good, a very good observation. Um, so, you know, when you, you can interpret a film in various ways. Yes. Uh, but it's just how you, how you, but it's, you take it. it's, but it's filtered. It's filtered through the art. It's filtered through somebody else's um, viewpoint, essentially. So, it, whereas it's sort of, uh, what's one of the reasons why I think comics, I don't know whether you agree with this point, but I think that's probably one of the reasons why comics kind of went the way that they went in terms of they weren't as popular as they once were because maybe they were too raw and so, and and as you and I remember we were I think we said this before the podcast started but it, um this idea as well as that you grew or even when you at the beginning as you said that you 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 end up did you agree with the interpretation that you grew out of them that essentially that you don't people look down on comics because they think it's a kids a kids thing well, I think they're down comics for various reasons. Uh, one is uh, available content. Mm-hmm. Because, um, like, 44 years ago, there was one Thai restaurant in the UK. Now there's thousands. Exactly. Uh, if someone says, said to me, you know, our different generation, what do you think of Thai food? They have no idea. They think it's Chinese. There's no difference to them. Um, so with comics, if you go into a shop and you just all you see is superheroes everywhere, you, well, that may not appeal to you. You may be into Victorian era stories. You may be into science fiction. So if you just see superheroes, you go, I'm not really, no, nah, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. So I think it's looked down upon because, especially with like, the way sometimes it's hypersexualized, like the female characters or like ridiculously yeah. masculine men, it's looked down upon because it's not realistic or to a high level of literature. Yeah. Another reason is historical. Um, Originally, it was called. They're called the funny pages. They're they're meant to be consumed by kids, especially in the UK. And the comics code was was limited. They could not market it or have material as aged above thirteen. It had mm-hmm. to be below thirteen. So that made it childish. Whereas yeah. in Japan or France, didn't have that limitation, which is why adults read it to a much larger degree. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so there, there are various reasons why it's looked down upon. But I want to change that. Yeah, um, that's that's and it, it is definitely changing. But I believe the way to change it is by amongst young people sharing good content which is why every three months we email people not only, not only are every week we send people free comics from us but every three months we send recommendations of the best comics we've read from other creators yeah. so we can share the good stuff with other people which is good because um, I mean that's one of the things that I always preach about people is this idea of having to pay you know, pay people to like market what you do. Like, you know, it's always nice to have a community of people who are willing to go. Oh, this thing's really cool. You should check this out. And I, that's why I'm always. It, that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this is that to say, like, you know, because what are, what I think people realize in listening to this, if I have people on, it's sort of my seal of approval because I wouldn't have people on if I didn't want them to be on. Like, so that's kind of the advantage of it being in control of this compared to when I used to present other people's shows is that they'd be like talk to this person don't really want to but i'll try <laughs> i'll try and get something out of them even though it's going to not be that fun hey, so. here's a question for you what do you do when uh, you have a guest who it's like pulling teeth to get you know good uh, um it's really it, it, it's a case of um and i think i'm fortunate in the you know it, it, not to be you know sort of um you know self-gratifying or whatever the right terminology is is that i, I think i have the ability to be able to play to their strengths and i think that's the thing that that's the thing that interviewers that one of the reasons that inspired me to be an interviewer was that there's too many interviews that i saw where um where people 
wanted to you know beat a dead horse as in they wanted to try and keep going down the same avenue and not realizing that the key to a good interview is ask is talking about what the what the guest wants to talk about it's not about what your agenda is and i think that's what leads to these interviews that you see you know like the uh christian guru murphy's of the world where they where they go to act as in you know talk one and talk about a film and say so Robert Downey Jr. Why did you well you know when you had your um, alcohol problems he's like I'm not here to talk about this like and you know and in the fact that if he, you can you can you know it's just it's 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 being aware of body language and usually I can tell if someone's nervous or not sure of themselves or and so you talk about you talk to them yeah, which Neil's trying to do on webcam which is hilarious um, and so yeah it's just a case of you make sh- you know which you uh, uh, usually I can tell in the first ten minutes or so if someone's really like sort of struggling to open up. So I ask like the really obvious, simple things, and then you find what what's so great about long form, which is why I prefer it, is that it gives them the opportunity to relax and they let the guard down. And it's amazing what people say after forty minutes than they do in the first ten. If that makes sense, like Note so. Keep going up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like um, I had um, um, Manurun Tarami, who uh, was E-Chip in Star Trek Voyager, which I was a, I have a tattoo of. I'm a huge Star Trek fan. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm a big Star Trek fan as well. Oh, right? that's cool. Um, yeah, we've had we've, Star we've had watch Spock the documentary. All yeah. right, nice. That's cool. Um, so yeah, we um, we I've had a. I'm fortunate that I've had a few Star Trek people on. So um, the the when I spoke to him, it was like one of the things that, and I got comments about this, which was hilarious. Is um, one of the things that came out about Star Trek Voyager, which is which anyone who's a Trekkie knows about this, is that um, it, I don't know why because it's been yet it's been off the, the the TV for years, but I guess it's just trying to redo old stories. But supposedly. Uh, Kate Mulgrew and Jerry Ryan didn't like each other, as in Janeway and Seven of Nine, okay. and um, that came out not too long ago. And so, in the convention scene, you'd see these videos on like YouTube of people filming, and they would be asked, they kept getting asked this question. Like people in Voyager were like, "Is this true that they didn't like each other?" So I don't feel that that's a good host or a good person to have someone like him on your podcast and you know beat them to death with the controversial thing of like oh did this happen but um he brought it up because i just ignored it which i actually think is the best way of getting them to talk about something that's kind of you know is the elephant in the room is to actually don't acknowledge it so they do instead of you because if you bring it up you're, you're regarded as the bad person but it and i wasn't even that really bothered but he just passionately said oh it wasn't as bad as they said it was and then we dealt with it and moved on to something much more interesting like so that's always fun but um but yeah so anyway so I uh, usually find a good interview is where I don't talk as much, but uh, you know, you asked you asked me you asked me you asked me a question. Um, so, any, so anyway, so, so so yeah, it's um, it's interesting, but it's something I've had a lot of practice in. So there you go. So um, so what 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 intrigues me is that you said like I asked you about whether you like sort of dark, um, you know, so you were into sort of dark thriller type things. So I guess to branch that question out, so what stuff did you like growing up? Like what was what were you into um when you first started like watching films and stuff? What what was your kind of things you liked? Oh wow. Um I liked a lot I, I consumed a, pretty much everything. Um my my taste is very varied. I so I do like thrillers. I, I do love stories where you don't know what's going on and in the last few minutes they also all explain it all makes sense yes. I, I don't like stories that, that have 
If there are plot holes, I find that lazy writing and it annoys me. <laughs> It annoys me. Are you uh, someone like? Because I've produced a few things in the past. Are you someone who? Are you someone who sits there? I'm the worst person to go to a cinema with because I sit there and like dissect it and go, "Oh, why did they do that? That's a really stupid move." Are you one of these people or? I, I won't do it in terms of camera angles or actors' choice of actors or things, but yeah. I will do it if it, if the story yes. doesn't make sense because it's so easy to fix these things. Yes, uh, and I, I, in some areas I get a little bit like, okay, so. Cowboys vs. Aliens. Um, oh, yeah. The, uh, this, this is one of my worst examples, so it's not, it doesn't look like well on me. Okay. Uh, the very first word in that, the very first line, uh, I immediately went, ah, oh, stupid. <laughs> because... What is it? Do you remember the line? Yeah, it's hello. Because <laughs> he, he walks into a room and says hello. And at that point in time, the word hello had not been invented. It was invented with the telephone. So it's just like, oh, this guy's done his research. <laughs> it's so funny when um, you've just made me sort of think now if you play the game of like name films that you just got really disappointed by when some, they, they did something in a plot that was just so oh, stupid I will start ranting <laughs> go, that, 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 ranting's always fun um, the one that I always go to right let's let's break this down Neil is that uh, I will tell you have you ever seen Trans, Transporter 2 no I love the first Transporter film the second one but no yes, I, I, it, half, I, I turned it off brilliant you you did the right thing. It's awful, and the third one's even like the third one. They, they just steadily got worse as they went on. But uh, yeah, and I agree with you. The first one because it was made by Canal Plus, the French TV channel, which is they they do great films. Do. Um, so yeah, they they it was like a joint French American Europe product. Like they, there was a whole bunch of different people on it, and they did a great job. But anyway, in the second one, right, I'll give you a quick idea. And it was it was all my pet peeve is not necessarily. Writing, although it is a plot, it, it is a plot device. What I'm about to say, but it's um, stunts that are, that make no sense. Um, and in this one, right, I'll give you the very brief version because I've said this on the podcast before. Um, so Jason Statham's character is protecting like the president's daughter or something like that. I seem to remember the, stu- the something like that. Some some the daughter of someone he knows, and so he's a transporter, but he's also like a bodyguard, and so he. Um, realizes that um she's in trouble and he's in like a limousine and he tries to like go and save her and he realizes that like there's a bomb underneath the limousine so he's like what am i going to do with this bomb and i don't want it to go off and kill a bunch of people so he drives the limousine away from the people while he's being chased by them so it's not just the fact that there's a bomb on the floor bomb on the bottom of the limousine he's being chased by a bunch of people and so he goes how am i going to get rid of this bomb and also survive being chased from these people he goes to like this dockyard area with the, with the limousine a very heavy vehicle right and he goes to the this dockyard area with like a har- like a harbour harbour with like a ramp at the end and he goes how am I going to get rid of this bomb on the bottom of the on the bottom of the limousine he drives off the harbour and there's a crane like a crane like a, a, a crane with like a hook on the end it hooks the bomb off the bottom of the limousine and then the limousine lands on the other side of the harbour and then he drives away and I'm like that that is literally impossible like, how can he judge? Like, how can he judge? Like, you know, you just, you, the sto- you, you, you know what I mean? Like, Neil's, Neil's actually, like, fainted when I just told him. <laughs> Isn't that the most, like, idiot? The word is stupid. It is yeah. stupid. Like, yeah. I hate things. Sorry, I, 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 will, I, I didn't even see this. I didn't have to suffer it. I'm already getting angry. <laughs> angry on, like, my... I went to see it in the pictures, so I want you to be angry on my behalf. Like... <laughs> Who approves this stuff? Like, like, because... Like, 
Go, go, Neil, go. Don't, don't hold that. There's a balance. There's a balance, right? Because it has to be believable and logical, right? But at the same time, it has to be cool. Yeah. It has to be exciting and different, right? Yeah. So I think it's the idea, some people's jobs come with cool concepts. And look, okay, that's actually cool. But then how do you make that realistic? And you just tweak it a bit so that, oh, that's believable now. And then that's, you get the best of both worlds. If it's purely logical and direct, how I do a lot of stuff, probably it wouldn't be that interesting. Yeah. But you have to balance both. But just being, looking cool, it's, I don't know, it's like flashy, martial arts moves you just shoot them in the head yeah no, there's, there's, there's no need yeah, yeah uh, anyway no no it, it, it no, d- calm down <laughs> it's okay no it's fine yeah, ranting ranting is always entertaining is um it's it, it the, 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 I want to elaborate on the point you just made because I think that summarises it perfectly what you just said the thing that really frustrates me about films right now which is what we're basically talking about now just films is um is the fact that they just don't care about realism is that they just don't don't, it doesn't matter to to a lot of these films. They're just like, oh, as you said, as long as it looks cool, um, we can ju- we can justify it. That's their that's their angle that they go down, and I just get very frustrated by that because I'm like, I want it to make sense. But as to your point, I want it to be real and make sense as in that. Oh, that's logically what someone would do. But again, like you said, I guess these people, like you said right at the beginning, maybe these people think that they're being logical. No, <laughs> no, 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 this is purely financial. They want it to look cool so it will sell well. Yeah, yeah. But you have to appeal to multiple age groups. Like, you yeah. take a, you know, 14-year-old. They don't really care about the weather that... Yeah, yeah. They want it to look cool. And I understand that. Yeah. But don't insult people who actually are a bit older and actually want... Or the, the parents who are taking them to these things. Yeah. <laughs> Do both. Like, Pixar is brilliant at this. Yeah, yeah. Each film feel like, like so, uh, you know, a kid, a teenager, uh, someone in their 20s, someone in their 50s. You know, people will feel like this film, they can relate to some, one of the characters in it at least. Yeah. And... It's never. It's always believable. Like for example, Toy Story. Right? You, you take the premise that toys can move when people aren't around. Yes. Okay. So it's a bit fantastical, but that's the premise. Mm-hmm. You accept that. You know that going in. Yeah. At no point does Buzz Lightyear suddenly fly, or <laughs> they have super magical powers. Yeah. So they, it stays believable within the realm. Yeah. Because they they actually like make they actually make sure that they stick to the limitations that are established. Like that's yes. that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which makes. Complete sense. That's a very good. That's a good very good example. Twenty years time, we're gonna be the best grumpy old men in pubs. <laughs> I liked. I like. You know, you think about. You say every time people say grumpy old men. I like that show that they did on BBC where they just sat and moaned about stuff. I I think I'm. Even though I'm not like. The, what I think. Uh, you know, if I have a, the odd friend that listens to this podcast, and they go because obviously you know I see them in real life, and they go they'll listen to it and go. I you're, you're like the most easygoing, like not not negative or not ranty person in the world when you're on your podcast you just can't stop you and i'm like well it's because you know my job is i hope to be you know i i i feel like i should only talk about things that make that i care about you know so um i'm a lot more bullshitty i guess in, re- in real life so um but yeah that's interesting so so what what if 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 Speaking as like sort of a writer, which is which obviously you've now become. What kind of stuff do you look at as inspiration? I know you've touched on some before already before, but like, who, who do you sort of admire and think is good 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 writing? Um, well, I admire people in in film and books and comics. Um, I think Alan Moore's early stuff was just, yeah, you know, in his brilliant. Yeah. Uh, right now, I'm enjoying Brian K. K. Vaughan's stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in terms of what inspires me, I, you see, I, people always ask that and assume that 
you read things and you take from them. I, I genuinely don't. I take things. There's only, for, especially with Twisted Dark stories, there's, there's three Genesis for ideas for me. Mm-hmm. Either, well, that's a fact that I didn't know. That's fine, interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a um, interesting dialogue people are having. Yep. I think that, 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 that's an interesting conversation. That'd be quite good to expand into a story. Or it's an unusual twist of motivation. Like mm-hmm. that, that's unexpected. And he's one of those as the base, and I build everything else around it. Yes. And so, but in terms of other people's stuff, I don't really take from other people. Yeah. No, that's not necessarily what I was asking. I just, I was meaning just, I guess, in a, in a, in a, like, an objective point of view, who do you think, like, does a good job in terms of writing oh. things? Yeah. Oh, oh, gosh, so many. Um, Stephen Moffat, uh, I think he's very, very good. Um, mm. uh, the films, I mean, Aaron Sorkin's dialogue is fantastic. Um, oh, I like Aaron Sorkin. Was he the one, um, is he the West Wing dude? Yeah, he did Westwood. Yeah, and um, at Newsroom, which I, I absolutely loved news, new, Newsroom. That was, like, an awesome... One of my favourites of his was uh, Studio 60. Only around... Oh, yeah. Six, but I thought it was on, really good. On the, is that the, on the Sunset Strip or something? Was that was yeah, originally yeah. called... Yeah, yeah. With uh, Matthew Perry. Yes. Yeah. And his first film was uh, A Few Good Men. That's, that's oh yeah, yeah. Cool. Oh, you know it is. I was thinking, what else did he do? Yeah, that, thank you. That's that. I was that, yeah. Um, but I, I actually, I was not really. I knew of West Wing, but yeah, news when I, I that clip of um, Jeff Daniels doing that. Is it Jeff Daniels or Jeff Bridges? I always get the two mixed up. Is it Jeff Jeff Daniels? Um, um, when he does that speech about well, why is America great in newsroom, and I was just like, that's the greatest. Um, rant in, in TV history where he goes, look, America is not great and he has why, we're, we're, we're like second in the world in child obesity and, and all these like stuff and I'm like, good, good for him because yeah, as someone who watches a lot of American politics, like they always want to say that they're amazing and yet they've got a lot of problems, so um, so yeah, I like that show because even though and, and um, he really is like so it kind of leads me to what I wanted to ask you as well is that he's really meticulous about research, like um, I remember reading in the build-up to that that he spent about 12 months or something um, just in a news organisation, just seeing how it all ran and was writing notes, you know, conspicuously all the time. Um, so what? So in terms of if you do, like, say for argument's sake, like you said about what you just how you decide to write something, like if it, if you if it's a subject matter that 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 for example that inspires you to write it how much research do you go into it like do you start reading loads a bit about it or do you just stick to a premise um it, it, it's both it, if i have if it's something i'm not familiar with i have to do the research so yes. that's why it's easier to write what you know because you don't have to do as much work yes that's, that's exactly yeah <laughs> and more likely to get it accurate as well yeah um I, I wrote a story called theatrics set in the 1920s and it's about boxing as well and i don't know about 1920s i don't know about boxing so i spent a lot of time doing research and i thought i'm not doing this again <laughs> so next time I, I and what i did was actually i gave it to the artist and to, which is a great thing with comics all the costumes and all this, the, the the vehicles and the buildings that's his job to sort out not mine so i don't have to do that much research <laughs> in terms of the uh, the language or like things like they're playing a piano at one point, and the pianos in those days, they all had candle holders. So you yeah. could with music at night. So you oh, have to make sure drawn, drawn in there. Yeah. Um, and phrases like, uh, um, that existed like, uh, uh, um, dew droppers, like someone who, who, who drink the whole time, or, uh, people would say, uncle, uncle, but it's to, to, to as, as I said, instead of mercy. It's the language I had to get right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for example, prohibition, uh, what, what the posters looked like. I do visual research on that and give it to the artist. Yeah. Um, but so when I when I do research, you do as much as you can. But yeah. you have to balance that between world building and writing. I I, I built a model um, for 
for comics, which, uh, which okay, I don't believe there's a, okay, I, I, well, this long form thing, I have let my guard down, I'll tell you the whole thing. Yeah, go, do it. <laughs> okay. I built this model uh, on terms, and what the purpose of the model is, is to explain past events and actually predict future events. That's yes. why you build models, right? Mm-hmm. So, with film and TV, there's so much to it. You've got the special effects, you've got lighting, you've got uh, cameras, you've got uh, coloring, you've got grading, you've got costumes, you've got acting alone is enormous, right? You've got mm-hmm. the soundtrack, you've got score. It's Editing, like, yeah, and all sorts, yeah. So it's, it's so many moving parts. Whereas comics, there's four parts. That's yeah. it. You've got writing, you've got art, you've got coloring, you've got lettering. Mm-hmm. Now, in each of those, I break down to sub subsections, and here I break down a little bit further as well. But that's a bit complex. Yes. So, for writing alone, and you actually don't remember, remind me why I'm telling you this. Okay. Uh, but um, <laughs> let's say you go into the cinema. The first thing someone asks you is, "What's it about?" Mm-hmm. And you've got to say in one or two sentences something that's interesting. People go, "Oh, okay, I'd like to see that." Yeah. Otherwise, you've lost them. That's that's before you even start the script. The yeah. premise that has to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Then when you've got Let's say people are watch. Let's say watching TV. Flick on the channel. If the t- if the channel is boring, if the dialogue is boring, you'll change channels. Mm-hmm. So the dialogue has to be good. Yeah. And that's why someone like Aaron Sorkin's like a, a master at. Yeah. What gets you getting longer and will make you stay to the end of the episode is is the story is the plot good. Yeah. Is it going somewhere? Does it surprise you? Is it uh, is it interesting? What gets you coming back week after week after week is when you get invested in the characters. Yeah. Okay. And then what gets people like really invested is, and like that's what they're dressed up as them. They'll just, you know, is the universe, and that can be like Star Trek or Star Wars or you know, Marvel, or it can just be a police station. Yeah, you like a, a Zootropolis. It's a different but relatable world, mm-hmm. and you have to hit all of those because some people are most interested in the story, like the plot. That's my main interest. Yeah, people are more interested in characters. Mm-hmm. Some people care about, oh, this is set in outer space. I'm in. It's, 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 it's under, underwater. That's what I like. I like. Some people are most interested in the dialogue. People like different things. But even if you hit all those, the next level is the storytelling. Because you can have the best joke in the world, but if you know, my dad tells it, everyone laughs. My mum tells the same joke. No one laughs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you have to know how to tell it. And with comics, it's just the number of panels you use and what goes in each panel. Yeah. Uh, and the same way, I just, so that's just how I break down the script. Yeah, I, 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 can, I can explain to you if you want for for, for, for artwork as well and for coloring and lettering, but I break yeah. it all down. Um, but I use that to decide what areas, as a sort of guide, when I've done the scripts, uh, after you know, done the research and everything, have I done as best as I can in each of those areas? Yeah. What needs to be bulked up to appeal to as many people as possible? Mm-hmm. So you asked me to say, so why are you telling me this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you got to tell me. I forgot why. So when I start ranting, I forget why I start ranting. <laughs> but no, it was just, it, it was just, it was sort of interesting. I, it, it was on the back of me saying like, you know, good writers, and then it led to you to, to this thought. Um, and then you just explained to me the sort of difference with them, um, with, you know, how you end up getting comic books, which is interesting. Um, well, it actually leads to, because you said about explaining the illustration, so let's go with that, because this is always something I like asking, because, um, you know, I've, I've watched like, you know, stuff with Stan Lee and, and various other people, um, in in the industry that you can name, and we've we've interviewed um, Bob Layton, who did Iron Man, and uh, a whole host of, and I've, and I've had some independent comic book uh, artists on as well. So it, it always fascinates me the considering like you do the writing part of the side of it, and you know if you want to talk about because this is always you know because I I guess the reason I'm asking this is for, to provide the context is you know I guess being sort of if you're into comic books. You probably got the attitude of you're like I'd like to write one of them one day, and so I guess like 
what makes me curious about asking this is because this is the same as people go, I'd like to do a podcast, not re- realizing how difficult it is to put together and everything else. So for, as a writer point of view, like, can you describe the relationship between the writer and the illustrator and like, how does that work for you? I'll describe it as a writer and I'll describe it later as an editor, which is okay. different. Yeah, yeah. Good. Go for it. Yeah, that's interesting. So uh, as a writer, it's a complete collaboration. Yes. There are a lot of people come up to me at conventions and ask for advice on how to break into the industry. And I say, well, well, are you an artist? Are you a writer? Are you? And they say both. A lot of them. Most of them. Yes. My, my first thing is, well, if you only do one, what would you pick? And again, most people say both. Yeah. I say, no, I can name on one hand people who are world class at both. Yes. It, it is so rare. There's a lot to it. Um, so yeah, if you can only do one, focus on one because there's so much work to be done. And if you can focus on one area, you, it's more likely you'll, you'll accelerate. Yeah. Um, so artists to me are incredible. They can do things that I could never do. Like to make, they can draw a sketch in 20 seconds. That would take me two hours, and I wouldn't be as good as them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and to me, visually, they should be a lot stronger than me. Yeah. Because that's they have to create this in their heads and make it on paper. So yeah. they should be visually better than me. Um, but going to my model, what I care about is there are um, three elements. The first is the quality or the style, or, or the style, because you, if someone picks up a comic and the quality is no good, yep. it's it, yeah. Um, but the quality can be good. You just don't like the style. Yes. So it has to hit that, and yep. the art writer has to like it. Mm-hmm. Next is clarity, because sometimes you go, "Wow, that's beautiful." What's actually happening? Or you have to spend a few seconds looking at the artwork. Mm. No, the comics should be instantaneous mm-hmm. to help the story. Mm-hmm. Because if it's just about the artwork, that's fine. That's separate. Yeah. And some people, when they read comics, just care about the story. Some people care about most just the art. And yeah. the story is kind of secondary. It doesn't matter. It's like yeah. Some people don't care about the plot. They just want the special effects. Yeah, yeah. Some people care about the coloring most. Mm-hmm. And they, that's what actually does it for them. And some people, this is true, just care about the lettering. That's what gets them interested the most. Mm-hmm. So you have to hit all four of those areas and within each one, each section. Yeah. So just going back to the comics. So the first is the the quality or, or the style. The second is the clarity. Mm-hmm. And the third is the choice of shot. Okay. And now this can be done with the writer explaining what actually happens. And Alan Moore would write enormous... Like passion. a... That's like a, um, a, a storyboard, essentially, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it, it's okay in this panel. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing? Yeah, storyboard. Yeah, it can be quite vague by the writer, or yeah. it can be very detailed. It, it, like the Marvel method was completely vague, left up to the artist. Yeah, um, and both sides have to be comfortable working with it. So, with my last comic, Theatrics, Leo, we tr- at one point, after, I think with chapter five, we actually tried doing the Marvel method. It was a disaster. Did not work. <laughs> Leo did not like it. His work came back nowhere near as good. I didn't like it. So we have to go for more scripted format. Yeah. But other people work differently. So as long as they work together to make sure you have the best choice of shot, which conveys what's going on. And to me, the best choice of shot highlights what's happening in the script. So if, if the dialogue is intense, it's a close-up on the guy's face. Yeah. If, uh, is, it, is it revealing stuff about the character, where the clothing, the body language about the character? Is it revealing in the background stuff about the universe, like what sort of props do the police station have or what's going on there? Yeah. Uh, is, it, is it advancing the plot in terms of what... What's actually happening? Yeah. Doing stuff, not just talking. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, but and and to for for, me, for for to show that I understand the sort of that the storyboarding aspect of it is because uh, just to provide again the context for people who are listening is that when. Uh, just before we started, uh, Neil very kindly sent me a bunch of examples of some of the stuff he's done, and the twisted dark stuff is very much a kind of like, you reveal something at the end and there's a twist, and so by the way that it's designed is that the last 
the last still is going to be something like, oh, like it's a reveal, as in it's like a da 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 moment. So you have to, you have to, you know, that's got to be to to go to to sort of dissect that. I'm assuming, you know, to go on what you were saying is that it has to be the words have to be, you know, powerful, as in that, you know, a powerful sentence, uh, you know, or statement. And and then it has to be a very you know a very visual experience as well as it has to look exactly how the words do, which is essentially what comics are. So um, that that makes a great deal of sense to me. Um, I, I'm just intrigued to know then because you've you've said the different ways of doing it. What are you mo- what are you most comfortable with, like in terms of how you tackle comic books? Like what's comfortable for you? I'm sort of fifty fifty. Uh, so some key points, I say, okay, this has to look like this, and the guy has to be on the left hand side, so he speaks first. Yes. And, and, and the, the or this is a long shot. This one goes the entire uh, width of the panel of the page. Sometimes I actually leave it completely blank. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going on that panel? I just have the dialogue. What's being said? Um, and that's up to the artist to give, give their choice. Now, if, and some artists don't like that. They want it to be more scripted, which is fine. Then I go back and I say what I do. Mm-hmm. But to me. If I, haven't got a, if I haven't got a strong opinion, well, there's a good chance the artist will have a stronger opinion than me because I haven't got a strong one. And he should, I think, do a better job than I would because he's more visual than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes they do stuff that looks cool. Uh, that's why I always insist on roughs. My process is um, when I see the script, I want roughs and I put in the balloons where everything is. And then you see, does it flow? Because mm-hmm. even if the art looks gorgeous, if it doesn't flow well, if the reader, you know when you're reading a book and sometimes you have to wait I haven't, I haven't taken in this page and you go back to reread the page yeah it only happens when you've not understood something yeah it's not been clear it's something that you just missed and that means the reader, the writer has failed you yeah I believe in comics if you if you don't understand what's going on or if you ever have to go back the creators have failed you yeah and a lot of that is to do with the flow the way it goes down and yeah so I've seen the roughs if it doesn't flow well you have to change it yeah and sometimes the, the angle he chooses or what they draw is actually great and I cut some of the dialogue or words because you don't need it yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and essentially, like you were saying about, because you you made the very you know important distinction of saying that you're also edit the stuff that you do, and that's where editing comes in. Is to go, you don't need that. You don't need that. That's slowing it down for unnecessary reasons. So yeah, it's a, it makes it makes that makes perfect sense. So, um, I, I'm w- would it be fair for you to say because one of the reasons I have people who draw on, um, I, I have done in the past and. Is it is it your sort of failure to draw yourself? Is what what you, you are you and, and are you are you very like admirable towards people that can draw? Because as someone who can't, I can't. I used to make my, my joke. I used to. I, I tried a bit of stand up comedy at university, and one of the things that I used to joke about is saying I can't draw shit, but I can. Well, I can. That's pretty much the only thing I can draw. Uh, <laughs> um, so, um, so that used to be a joke I used to do. So, to your point, like, do you are you fine drawing like outlines of what you want to do, or do you leave that completely to the artist? I, I, I leave it to the artist. When I was young, I was actually. My art teacher at school was—he put me forward for an art to, to apply for an art scholarship. All oh, right, uh, but that, that was age thirteen, and I don't think I've really picked up a pencil since then. Yeah, uh, it, it's not really something that I'd love to. Be, I'd love to be able to sing. I'd love to be able to draw. Yeah. but it's not something that I prepared to put the effort in to get to that level. <laughs> uh, that where and that, that's the honest truth. Yeah, at the same time. There are other artists who, no matter how much I tried, I would not be as good as them. Yeah, natural ability. Yeah. People who are uh, people who are way, way better than me in those areas. Let's work with them. They're yeah. good. At, I'm good at what I do. Yeah, 
Exactly, yeah. No, I, I, I'm totally on board with that. And it's funny because um, the thing, the other point I wanted to make about what you said about sort of collaborating is that I think whenever someone comes up with an idea and they need, like, you know, like, say, for argument's sake, they need a design of a... Like, I remember when I did my logos and stuff like that, for example, for the for, for Geek Apocalypse, and the, it went through several processes, and I am more comfortable in the scenario, and I actually think it leads to better work if you collaborate in that way, where you go, you, you give them a premise, and they come up with a basic idea, and you give maybe a rough outline of how you want it to look like, but it never, I very rarely, even when I've been involved in, you know, some BBC productions I've done, and and whatever else I've, I've been involved in, I've never seen, this is the point I'm making, I've never seen someone just write straight off the bat, go, like, come up with something straight away that's like all right it doesn't need any work done like you know so that's where you need to communicate and say all right can you tweak this and make move this to here or like make this bigger or all that kind of thing and so does that do you find that happens a lot in the stuff that you've done do you tweak a lot of stuff you mean the the art that comes back yeah yeah do you give do you give like feedback to what oh absolutely so well first of all the roughs does it flow well yeah and then and, and I, some art, some artists do it quite rough, rough. Some do it very tight. They're almost finished works yeah. of art. Um, I prefer more finished it is, but I hate rework. I hate so if they spend a lot of time on it and I have to change it or scrap it, I, it makes I actually I feel painful. Yes. I don't like waste, waste of time. So I'd rather it was just you know, quick sketches. But the roughs are great because if they have enough detail, because you know body language is wrong there. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he needs to. He's angry. Yeah. Uh, or. Uh, we need to cut this panel. We need to add another panel in here because the transition of emotions isn't clear enough. Yes. Um, so that's quite easy at the rough stage. Once the art is actually done, my technical aspects in this, like the hand proportions are off, or the um, uh, I don't know, the, the aesthetics aren't quite right. Yeah. That is very rare for me to make judgment calls on because. I believe they should be better than me, and mm. I should be working with people who are enough standard that they they hold themselves to high enough standard to get the technical aspect, the quality, yeah. right. That all makes I sense. About, all I care about on the art side is doesn't tell the story well. Mm-hmm. No, that makes perfect sense. So. Um, I guess just to move on to to some other different things now is to talk about you know can you tell me a little bit more about like so we've talked about establishing when you write comic books and all this kind of thing so what is essentially the other side of the the coin which is I'm um, pleased you said because I say this all the time whenever I do these things is the content as in the thing that you do is about not even I don't know what percentage you want to put on it but it's like I think you said 5% but I always say it's like about 20% of anything I ever do is actually recording the podcast the rest of it is putting it out there and letting people know it exists so the other side of the coin like was that something when you decided to start doing this as a as a, as a thing um was that like hard to get to grasp with because you know you're talking to someone who doesn't have a business degree I never you know I just went screw it I'm going to try uh, so so what was your experience in that field what um, was it like well this was actually probably more originally what I wanted to be doing I, mm-hmm. I wanted to be involved with comics rather than creating them yeah I just just happened that people like my writing yeah um, what what's the, the actual figure is less than I think it's 0.5% not 5% 0.5% writing but a lot of my time is spent editing because I think I, well, people like my writing I think I'm a, I'm a decent writer but I think I'm an excellent editor okay. and I think that's my real value add because okay. I genuinely love the medium and I know how to take and I, I draw a little graph for this to people um, the first graph is 
um, Netflix uh, and the average rating. So it goes sort of like uh, it's not, not a not a bell curve, but shifted to one side. Where mm-hmm. seven out of ten is the peak. That's what most people rank a, a hit show. Mm-hmm. But then it starts to drop off rapidly after that. But anything above a nine point two is a that's a hit. That's like a Game of Thrones. That's a House of Cards. That's you know West, that's the things that you know self sustaining. Everyone talks about it. Yeah. But to get just take a nine or an eight point seven, it's a big difference number of people who watch it compared to nine point two. Okay. And that what is, the is that basically going along the premise? I'm just sorry. I just I wanted to say is that a bit like the premise of like having something for like eight ninety nine and not over nine pound? Is it that kind of? Like sort of thought process because I always find that interesting. You know how like they make thing prices like eight ninety nine because of the idea of it. It psychologically says that it's less than nine pound. Yeah. You see my point? Yeah. That th- that totally works. This I don't think that's actually related to what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, interesting. The number four is the worst number. Oh really? If you charge, if you charge trousers, a pair of trousers for thirty four pounds, you charge them thirty nine ninety nine. You'll sell more at thirty nine ninety nine than thirty four. Oh really? Don't like, yeah. That's I got told this when I was at business school. It's, All right, cool. Oh, is interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. But no, but no. What I'm what I'm saying is that it, okay. Okay. Another analogy, rather than TV and film, then uh, okay. is uh, Let's take athletes, right? Okay. Top athletes in the world, like at the Olympics, none of them get there without a coach. Yeah. Doesn't mean the coach can do the job as well as them. They just see the mistakes they're making and help them be better. And Indeed. That's that's what I do with comics with people. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I stop the mistakes in the writing, in either the characters' motivations, or the plot, or the the dialogue, or, or the universe. And I, like, for example, someone artist drew a sword, and I said, "No, the bloodline's wrong," because he drew the bloodline in the sword, just just the structure of stuff. Yeah, how things work. Or that's my job is to stop things being stupid. And occasionally, I'll, I'll suggest ideas for solutions, which are good ones. But really, it should be the creators' own ideas that yeah. do it. it's all theirs. And I just help them get better. Yeah, and that's I think I really add value with comics, mm-hmm. and that's great because I can get more comics made. I'm not creating everything myself. Yeah, you're just helping people. Yeah, exactly. Um, where were you for Transporter Two? <laughs> we could have needed your help. We needed your help to make that film uh, <laughs> not as stupid as uh, that. Was just a callback to what we've done. <laughs> I'm still upset. Uh, I still I still feel angry that we brought it up, but but hey. Um, but no, that that that, that is no, I um, uh, that is why I think um, for people who are just sort of passive fans of like film in particular, is as someone who I've worked with editors before, um, I definitely respect anyone that does it because I'm not that I don't have the brain, to, my my brain doesn't work the way that editors do, and I'm someone who needs an editor, um, so I I totally understand how difficult it is, and um, because to your point. I think what you said made a, a, a lot of sense to me because one of the things I get help with is the business side of things. We're doing this because I essentially create things. That's my that's that's my like it's a different field to what we're talking about. But I'm just saying like I create content and where I, and the, whereas deliver like sort of distributing content and making it as good as it can be is a different skill entirely and so that's not that's something I get help with so I, I I'm always the first person to say that editing is like is is it's what um uh, another sort of quick segue is I remember seeing um do you do you ever hear the story about when Tarantino lost his editor is um do you know the story that? Um, oh, tell me, this is, this is interesting. Um, Tarantino, um, obviously the famous film director. Um, there was an interview I saw recently where, um, and there's people who said there's a noticeable difference in his films because it, this editor had been with him since the 
was it Pulp, was Pulp Fiction his first film, wasn't it? Um, Reservoir Dogs. Oh, Reservoir Dogs, yes. So, um, so yeah, so since Reservoir Dogs, he had this editor who edited all his films, and she unfortunately died in one of the weird freakish accidents because she was younger than him. He used to call her his little sister. And she died, and uh, she got basically died of um, of uh, dehydration because basically she was in, she was in like Los Angeles, and she went out because she was like, I really need to walk my dog. I haven't walked my dog, and it was like a heat wave, and she like walked up to the mountains basically. And what they thought, what they thought happened is, is she got dehydrated and a bit woozy, like fainted and like hit hit her head over a rock, and because she like she landed on a rock. And basically because nobody found her because she was in the middle of some mountains there, uh, she died before someone found her. Oh. And it was, she was only in her, like, 40s or something, I, I think. Um, she was about, I think she was about 10 years younger than him. I don't know how old he is, but, um, but anyway, um, he got the guy, I think who did like the Fast and Furious films or something like that, or some, something else to replace her. And I don't know whether or not, there's been some reviewers who have pointed out that his films feel different. And so I'm bringing this up in relation to editors. In the, he often said she was like more important to him in some ways, which is fascinating considering he obviously gets all the credit. But he basically says, you know, without her, my films wouldn't have been anywhere near as good as they were. So, um, kind of just making the point of like editors are like essential in any real me- medium to to make things make things as good as they can be. So, um, fascinating. Um, so so anyway, so in so in regards to the you know sort of type of comics is like so what's the goal? I know you said like the idea is to get people reading more comics. Is that the main agenda? Uh, that's the company mission. So yes. I, I lecture at universities all over the place and schools um, as, m- as much as I can mm-hmm. um, about the science behind comics and the memory retention. How I, b- I believe comics can help you in your in your career or in your studies. And I explain I give practical examples how this works. Yeah. Um, um, so th- that's our mission to get more people reading comics. The vision we have is we want to be one of the largest publishers of comics, but renowned for qu- quality, not quantity. Yes. I, I, there's no way we're going to be touch Marvel DC. They put out so much material. Um, you know, one of the things I like just to just to segue that because I'm I've got your website open right now. One of the things I really liked, I remember when I first seen that, is I'm like, uh, it, to exactly your point. Oh, not like about thirty comic books or something. Like there's a, there's there's enough to like because I always find a lot that to your point a little bit overwhelming, and I always think the first thing I go to if you see loads and loads of comics is that you go, oh, are they just like you know, you know. Uh, what's the word? Um, they're just sort of crowbarring everything in and going. We'll take every entry. I'm assuming you've got some sort of quality control. Is that you basically, you know? I mean, the business model for most comics is different from us because, uh, like, uh, as a publisher, I think Random House made put up yeah. thousands of books last year. They made one book made a, made enough money to save them all. Yes, um, it was Jimmy Oliver's cookbook. Yeah. Uh, so, and a lot of film studios, they'll check out loads of films, one is a hit, and you, you don't know the market before you go out. Yeah, exactly. And you don't know what will be a hit. Yes. I, I know that, but at the same time, I will not re- produce crap. I'm yeah. sorry. If it's stupid, it doesn't make sense, I'm not doing it. Um, You've got integrity, it's nice to know. Because <laughs> I care about the medium. And yeah. Like, so many people, the, 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 let's say, uh, go back to the Thai restaurant thing, let's say yeah. you go to a really bad Thai restaurant, you have your your mother there who's never eaten foreign food in her entire life, she gets one shot, you say, try it, and it's an awful meal. She'll never try Thai food again. And if people try comics for the first time, they read something that's awful. Yeah. I can't blame them if they don't come back to it because they may associate all comics with that. Yeah, exactly. 
case, but I genuinely love the medium. And uh-huh. there's something, and that's why our website, if you look, we, we have a, a list by genre. If you like science fiction, we don't, we don't actually produce any science fiction yet, but these are the best comics from science fiction out there right now that we think. Yeah. You know, just by other people. Yeah. So, well, sorry, again, I start ranting when I talk about comics. It's totally fine. I mean, that, that that's great. Um, the, the greatest thing about, like, you know, because I obviously listen to other people's podcasts as well, you know, that's, that's another thing is that one of the things I love about recommendations, this is the point I wanted to get to, and I'm glad you brought it up, is that... I'm always willing to say, like, I and, and people find this really bizarre. And um, we've had some board gamers on. I'm a big board game fan, and so I've had some companies, you know, the, some of the biggest on. And what I love about them, no matter how big they are, they always recommend other people's games. Like they're always like, because they're fans themselves, mm, and yeah. so uh, like I, I I love that attitude. And so whenever I like hear about a podcast, or I'm you know I guessed on an episode of someone else's podcast, or I just happen to you know come across a podcast and go, this is really good. Like my friends, like oh, I remember if, like one of my one of my really close friends not too long ago said, oh, like because they occasionally listen to some of my episodes, and then they'll go. Uh, the other day, she just went, oh, I listened to this other podcast. Is that okay if, uh, like, I was wanting to recommend it to you, but I don't want you to feel like I'm, like, not, and I'm like, please do, like, this idea of, like, you know, I don't know, like, it's a very, that was a very weird conversation, because, like, it's in the going, what, like, like, it's sort of like, you can only listen to my podcast, uh, uh you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not allowed, you know, that's, that's, that's so unfair, like, that for one, that would be entirely hypocritical of me because I listen to so many. I mean, like I could name a bunch of them off the bat now, like you know, because what inspired me to do this in the first place was Nerdist, which I love, and I there's so many random stuff as well. But the one she told me about was this crime podcast. I wish I remember the name of it, but it's like murder mystery type things, and they talk oh, about like now, yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah, yeah, it's really really big now, and it started was just a bunch of people getting together talking about sort of um, investigations that either never happened. Or like were famous, or like I mean, never happens and never got solved, and and apparently like they're really like you know she's really into that kind of thing because we play we play a lot of them like sort of telltale game type things. So we were like, I was like, that sounds really good. I'd actually generally like to listen to that. So I've been listening to a couple. Um, Played the Wolf Among Us. I have yes. Um, uh, based on fables, so I recommend fables for people who like fantasy. Yeah. Uh, well, I will say, if you've read, the, if you tried the comics, fables. Uh, I think so, but I, the, the fact that I am not certain means I might only pass on the. I'll tell you this: the only series I've read where each volume gets better and better. That's good. Uh, up to book eleven, you have to stop there. <laughs> <laughs> Did it jump the shark? At, at <laughs> It's not, so I'm a huge fan of it. I recommend this at every convention I go to. I recommend it to at least one person. Yes. Um, the first book is good. It's not great. It's good. But then you get to book two, then it starts to get really good. And That's it cool. just gets better and better. I got, when I got book nine, I read it. And I went straight back to the beginning and read it straight again. Second way, right, That's right good. Away again. That's um, always a good sign. Stop, yeah, the reason you stop at book 11 is because that's where you meant to finish it. That's okay. All ties back to the beginning. It makes perfect sense. It's all it, that was where we meant to finish it. We made so much money. He carried on. Uh, yeah, that's when you jump. He literally jumped the shark. Like end it when it's good. End it when it's hot. That's the best. That's the best thing to do. It. Um. Uh. It's art. Oh, uh. Yeah. That's that's. That, I, I love that. I love that. I. Yeah. I just. I'm just a fan. Like as you said. Like we're sort of the the board game. Like because. When you actually were talking about sort of putting comic books together, you actually reminded me of what a lot of people say who make board games. It's the same principle in that you, they, what one of the things that they do that's fascinating is that they don't patent mechanics. 
So you don't, they not companies can't own a particular mechanic in a game. So like, even if they come up with a very unique concept, and what it, by mechanics I mean like what you can do within the board game, as in like you know what what turn order and stuff like that you can do. People come up with different ways of doing certain things. And so like one example, there's a game called Pandemic where it has a, a, a particular card in it that infects the board, as in you put cubes on the board to me and it infects the whole world. It's a world map and it infects it. And it's regarded, in my opinion, it's one of the best mechanics in a game I've ever seen. But he doesn't own that mechanic, so people can as long as you don't like literally literally do the same card in the same game you can take that mechanic and apply it in an, in another way and the reason they all agree to do that is because they know they'll be shooting themselves in the foot if they decided to play hardball and go oh i'm just gonna like take this mechanic and make it ours and no one else can use it so they're very much like if you can do a better job than us go go ahead <laughs> go ahead and do it and um, which is i like that attitude it's like you know we do good games you may do a good game and um so it's good that they all recommend each other so so it's nice that you do that as my point because I do the same with podcasting. So it, it, it's always good to um, it's always good to be nice to people. That's <laughs> interesting around Christmas time. Well, it's also because again, I, I care about the medium and people. Yeah. Not everyone's going to like our stuff, yeah. but I guarantee there's a comic out there for someone for someone mm. who likes um, historical biography or like journalism. There's some great comics that we could never make like that. So we recommend those. Oh, thank you for tell- thank you for saying that as well because another thing that they say about board games is there's all because some people obviously have a poor experience in board games growing up is that you'll play a Monopoly or something and not the joke we always do is no one ever plays Monopoly properly and um, and all this kind of thing because um, for example we played for years and they didn't realize you had to auction all the properties like that I didn't even we never even played that as a family. What? What? You know the you know you have you ever played uh, you've have you played Monopoly? Yeah. Do you know that if you don't buy, um, you you know when you get a cut like you land on uh, Pall Mall, yeah. and you don't buy it, you have to auction it to the other players. And I you, never knew that would make the game so much more interesting. Yeah, exactly. No so one played. No one played. No one played it right. Like the, and there's so many other variations of people getting it wrong, and it is so much faster because what it also means as well, it goes to auction, and you all the other players bid however whatever money they want. So you can get, like, which makes sense now why it takes so long to play if you don't have that mechanic in. Because you can buy, like, if you landed on Mayfair and you can't afford it, it gets auctioned to the other players and they can maybe get Mayfair for, 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 like, half or half its price. Brilliant. Yeah, makes the game. It's still a rubbish game, in my opinion. But anyway, so, but, but, but anyway, move, move, but to, to my point. Is that all the like the reason these board game companies are so fascinating and they and they they are very, I think very honest about it is that they all say that there's a board game for everyone. Do you sh- do you have that opinion about comic books that you oh, think? 100%, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what? So is it just a case of getting it right, as you say, and the quality control and making sure that like all the comics are good? Because I guess your point is, do you worry people try it and then give up because they might get a comic book that's not good? I mean, I'm not the best salesman on this. I, I, what I do is, because people say, if there's one comic to recommend, what would you do it? Or they say... That's hard to do, yeah. Well, it, I know what I would choose myself, but yes. I don't answer that way. Um, what I do, and if they say, what, which of yours should I read? I actually ask them, well, what do you like? Yeah. What book, like, what TV exactly. shows do you like? And when I hear their taste, I go, okay. Because if they say they like um, Batman vs. Superman, for example... Yeah. I said, okay, so plot really isn't that important to you, but okay. you like cool visuals. So you want something that's quite flashy. I'd recommend more Marvel DC 
stuff style. Maybe even DC because it's, if you like Batman, I recommend a good Batman with fantastic art. It's probably maybe Hush. Yeah, it's a good story and it's cracking art. Jim Lee drew it. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, if they say they like um, watching documentaries, okay, that's they're not going to like that stuff. They're going to want yeah. something different, more meaty, stuff that, that they don't know about. So I may recommend Guy de Salle uh, about his trips in in North Korea or or in uh, Burma, for mm-hmm. example. Yeah. So it's always about. I always ask people, what do you like, and try and find a comic to suit their taste. Because if I genuinely there is a comic out there for everyone, and if they read it and they go, "Wow, I wasn't expecting to like this," and I did, which a lot of people do, yeah, because then they become a convert, and it helps change the perception of comics and stops people thinking they're childish. That's that's a very very good point. And um, a couple of questions then, because I guess we need to wrap this up because I need to go. So, but um, I, one of the things I want to make sure to ask you because this is always an interesting question is what's your sort of view on? Because I imagine like. You know, even when I was growing up, because um, fortunately we got to talk to Nigel Atalooney, who runs Beano now, and um, obviously, like that, that's an example of where I find that uh, yeah, you kind of grow out of doing Beano. But my point is that you know, you used, it used to be this idea of that you get a comic book like at Christmas, obviously because we're recording this around Christmas time, is that I would get comic books like Beano and various other ones growing up and would read them uh, over the holidays and stuff like that. But it leads to now the transition that seems to be happening that there's more and more online contact, co- content in, in comic books. So I'm intrigued to ask you, like, what do you, what do you think? Do you think that's a, a good thing? Is it just different? Or, like, what's your sort of take on the transition? It's, unavo- it's unavoidable. Um, yeah. A lot of young people, they prefer digital things. Yeah. What is interesting is that digital sales of books uh, cannibalize print sales of books. Uh, people will go into a bookstore, see what they want to buy, and then just buy it on their phone to read on Kindle or on yeah. Kindle, um, which I think is a shame. I personally think I have enough screen time in my life anyway. I only read comic books in print format because yeah. I prefer that, for touching it, and that's how I'd like to consume yes, it. Yes, me too. But what's interesting with, with comics is that digital sales increase print sales. People want both. They, they like it because it's cheaper. Ah, uh, yeah. And then they buy the hard copy as well. Yeah. So it is unavoidable. Some people will have preferences for digital. They don't have to. Have, it doesn't take up space. It's cheaper. That, that, that's their preference. But, and that's cool. People like good for traveling and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Exactly. But mm. I personally prefer hard copies, and that's yeah. my choice. No, I am. Um, you know, it is. I never. I, I. I never realized that that's such a very good point because I. You know, going back to sort of board games, for example, I have you know the literal board game of a certain thing but i also have the app on my phone it doesn't mean that i don't get both so your point's very valid Um i never looked at it that way Um so in terms of so obviously because i'll mention this by the way i do a i do a pre-introduction so i will obviously mention i'll i'll mention where people can go to uh, in the introduction but um just so to clarify to wrap things up is to just say because I, I deliberately left this to last is so is all your stuff, because one of the reasons it fascinated me and I wanted to talk about this is the idea of that your comics are free, is that, is, as in, is that, are all of them free? Like, what's the what's the business model for people that are listening? Um, we give away free samples, but not all our comics are free, no, because okay. we have to eat. Exactly. <laughs> yes, that's why I'm asking. I'm like, I'm intrigued to know, um, like, costings and stuff, how much the things cost. and Like, I don't mean that as in from a business point of view, I meant for people who are buying yeah. Oh, so uh, we don't sell our digital copies. If you want digital copies, we, well, the free ones there you can get on the website, um, but or you can get from Comicsology. The print ones there's also links to our store there, depending on where if you're in the US or UK. Um, I think the cheapest one is uh, Volume One, that's like uh, eleven ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
So I'm not, not sure what better to ask, ask you a question. <laughs> we, the reason we put so much so much free content up there, and you, you even didn't know that we have other stuff that isn't free, okay. is because we want to get people reading comics. and I guess it's samples, yeah. And enough people read and go, oh, you should check this out, and they yeah. share with other people, and that's how we build our word of mouth, because there's so much marketing these days thrown at you, and it's so expensive. We found that when people, because we have a lot of very passionate people who love our stuff, and they say, and they can share it easily because it's free. Yeah. People, more people discover us, and then more bookshops bookshop stock us, and it's a yeah, evolving mechanism. Ah, uh, that's that, that's something that intrigued me. Do you um, actually, you know, um, do you do the process of having a bunch of printed copies, and do you have them in shops? Like, are they available to just go to? Yeah, and like buy. They're in um, comic shops across the country, Forbidden Planet. The the what's interesting for us is we're actually the reverse of most comic companies. Um, okay. Which isn't a good thing. It's just how it's evolved. Uh, we sell way more at conventions than we do at, at bookstores. Um, we, we, if you go to the UK convention circuit, we in the small press, we sell more than anyone else, uh, typically. I, I'm not uh, surprised to hear that as someone who goes to conventions. I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that. <laughs> well, why? I, I Just because, um, uh, it, well, I don't know, obviously don't know, but I don't know a lot because I'm not involved in your field but I'm just saying whenever I go to conventions and see the amount of like independent comic book guys that go there there must be a reason that they do it that they must you know they must sell enough to want to go is my point um but yeah I mean but it is like it is surprising what you said though because you would think wow so all the people in all the ones that are currently in you know shops you don't sell as much as you do just going to conventions is an interesting statement well it's mostly because the shops don't actually stock us like so the the big ones do yes but we get complaints actually every month certainly but most weeks we get fans complaining saying they can't buy our stuff okay we we sell out on amazon in the u.s and canada and in the uk we don't get notified and it's because it's through distributors and it it drives me nuts people are trying to buy our stuff and they can't um that's interesting Hmm. we're we're solving it we got the distribution person yeah Uh, but it's i don't blame uh, especially the U.S. stores, uh, and actually, I don't mind the U.K. stores either for not stocking us because yeah. when you're, in, you know, a Batman will sell. Yeah. You don't know a company you may not have heard of or a title you're not that aware of will sell, even if it's selling well. Like even if you're a few customers ask you, when you buy the book as a, as a comic shop, you paid for it. Yeah. If you don't sell it. That's just dead stock. Yeah. You have to balance between getting enough good new material people be interested in with stuff that you know you will sell. Yeah. And exactly. there's so many people putting stuff out there that it's something like the wrong choices. And I understand that. So, it, But as long as you keep at it and enough people where mouth comes, more shops stock us certainly every year. But uh, every six months, there's more and more we can see the numbers. Yes. It's so funny you say that because I always say to people the example that I go to, which makes me understand that point, is... You know, if you make a whole bunch of, you know, if you print a whole loads and loads of copies of whatever it is that you're doing, you, your, you could, it is basically that your money is inside them copies, as in, so you, you, that you need to sell them to make that money back. And the example I always go to is that, like, um, Tomb, Tomb Raider, which was made by AA Montreal, uh, the, the video game, the, like, the, 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 the remake they did a few years ago, it was a bestseller for ages and they lost money. Because they overprotected how many people would buy it. So they had a whole bunch of copies like waiting around that no one bought and they actually lost money even though it was a best selling game, which made no sense at all. But it was because they had this idea of that it would sell way more than they thought. So they wanted it to be like, you know, the best selling game of all time, essentially, or something. Um, and that's just really poor planning. So 
It's, do you think like that's kind of one of the biggest transitions with sort of Kickstarter and stuff like that? I mean, is that anything, is Kickstarter or anything like that being an avenue you've explored? Yeah, we had two successful Kickstarters. Our, the last one was funded in two days, less than two days, actually. That's cool. Um, um, but, and that lets you know, but that just tells you how many people have supported the book on Kickstarter. doesn't mean that, doesn't tell you how many you'll actually sell. Yeah. Um, if you go to manufacturing, it used to be the concept of buy in bulk because then you get a cheaper price. Exactly, yeah. But it's moved away from that to just yeah. in time. Uh, I think the like, most efficient one is like the Porsche factory in Germany. Their stock arrives every four hours mm-hmm. by train. Every four hours, wow. they're getting it in bulk. Yeah, it's because it, and their cash flow is much better controlled. Yeah, because they they're paying for it when they when they need it. Yeah, um, but when that comes to production on, on comic books, it's not so time critical. It's a bit of a slower moving thing with the book story market. It works six months ahead, but it's certainly that's the business side aspect, and you have the creative side aspect. And you have to balance both. And it, as you've learned, it's best to have a team. Like, I can't draw art, so I have the best artists who can do things I could never do, mm-hmm. right? Same with colorists, amazing colorists or letterers. You need to have someone on the business side. Who's going to take care of distribution? Who's going to do your marketing? Who's going to do the production? Um, so, obviously, this Tomb Raider made a wrong decision on how many books they made, but they should have, ma- they should have planned the downside on that. If we don't set it, what's going to happen? Yeah. Uh, but it, it, I think it's one of these things because it's such a large corporation as you just think ah it'll all work out <laughs> like I think that's sometimes the right attitude the larger the corporation yeah. the better they, the controls they should have with mathematicians oh of course yeah I'm not I'm not like yeah you, you, what you said was perfectly you know a valid criticism yeah um, I just think that's their sort of ignorance my point is I think it was like their sort of ignorance they, they, they become a little bit ignorant of, of the they just think we're brilliant we'll, we're always brilliant so we don't need to sort of look into it so I, would th- I think that's part of their problem but just an interesting an interesting uh, comparison so cool so um yeah i need to wrap this up because i need to to head but this was really this was really super super fun the last thing i always ask people before we wrap this up is just like sort of so what is um yes i know i'm aware <laughs> i just got sent a little note um is yeah so the, the the one of the things that um i got asked to bring up was your film competition which uh, is very, very interesting. So can you tell the people about it? And obviously I'll mention this in the introduction as well for the people who are interested. Well, it's if you're a professional filmmaker, it's probably not applicable, but if you're a semi-professional or amateur, I think it's a fantastic opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this, he wants to be anonymous for now, producer in the US who gave us some money and said, um, I, I love your stuff. I want to help you be where you deserve to be. Um, <laughs> I love them conversations. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and he, so what he's got is, is, is the competition is um, a short film competition. So it, one of the one of four scripts you can pick from from Twisted Dark, um, uh, which it's all the details are on our website, tbubble.co.uk. Mm-hmm. And you have to film before March and send in send in the film a, a less than ten minute uh, adaptation of one of these scripts. And the winning prize is five thousand dollars cash. You get screened during Chicago Comic Con, but the real prize is you get mentored in the film industry by Jimmy Childs. And he's the director right now of Stanley's Lucky Man, mm-hmm. which was the most successful sky drama in history. Yep. And so if you're trying to break into the film industry, being mentored by someone who like that, it's um, is, I think it's a great opportunity for someone trying to break in. Awesome, yeah. No, I'm sure I'm sure people will be interested in hearing that. I know actually um, some people who are film, you know, who, who listen to this, who are film-orientated people, like, you know, independent ones, for example. So that sounds like a really cool opportunity, like you say. So I'll obviously let, yeah. So I know um, for a fact, because like I say, I mentioned uh, earlier in this episode that I was on uh, T uh, Pub Comics 
uh, website and they have it um, on the homepage and stuff so you can click and uh, read all about it in more detail but um, obviously I will make sure people uh, click on your um, website and can have a look at all the bunch of stuff I know we didn't really go into detail about some of the comics you sell because you said about Twisted Dark and do you want to so do you want to actually mention that uh, briefly like just what kind of stuff you offer because I've been sort of browsing as we've been talking about all the different options yeah, so do you yeah, want to yeah, go through them motion but what I'll do is I'll say that if you go to, if you're interested in if you're new to comics yes. and you want to discover something great or or just want to get an overview of what we do on our website there's a um, a, a link to recommendations recommended yes. And then you can see by genre, let's say you're interested in adventure, let's say you're interested in romance, let's say you're interested in uh, history, it recommends the best comics I think exist right out there and links to buy them. And it gives you our version as well. So you can see what we do. Yeah. And all our stuff, there's free ver- free samples, you can read it. Because you should try it before you buy it. If you Comics are expensive, so see if you like it before you buy it. Yeah, exactly. Optimistic that people will like what we do because no, I really do. I mean, it certainly fits. Like you know, even though I, I mean, I, I kind of use geek in the term of just being passionate and interested about things. Even though, you know, I'm very reluctant to sort of say like I'm, a, you know, a, a geek is in like a, I don't, I believe in everyone's geeky in, in that kind of sense. But so, but it certainly fits our stereotypical demographic. Let's say so. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I'm sure people. I'm sure that I mean, I'm definitely interested in it. I mean, um, just to reiterate as well, and I, I, I in, the, in the interest of full. Closure, as I got sent a couple of examples of um, Twisted Dark stuff um, and uh, I really liked uh, the particular one sample which was mental health related about suicide well, it, was, it was about suicide I really uh, liked so um, I, I obviously recommend it so, I always um, liked you <laughs> but yes, but I, as I said right at the beginning of the episode, though, if pe- if people, if I have people on, that is my seal of approval anyway. It's like this idea of going like, who would you, like, you know, when people say, you know, when you say about recommendations, is that if anyone says to me, like, if someone new comes along listening to this podcast, because I've done like, you know, 140 of them now, and it's like, I go, well, do you want to recommend one particular one? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, 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 the idea is I want to try and like all of them and do a good job, you know. So, um, so I'd say just try with that, try episode one and work your way along, or, or type in something you might find something you like. But uh, to your point, I asked them, well, what do you like? You know, are you into sci-fi or whatever? And then I'll, uh, but um, yeah. So I, um, hopefully I do 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 good job in all of them. Is my point. So anyway. Um, so a huge thank you, Neil. This was super, super fun. I'm really pleased Ricky uh, recommended you. It, it made it makes uh, it made perfect sense, and I, I am very, very interested. So obviously, I encourage people to go and check out your stuff and just uh, keep up with everything. So what I was going to say is, I always ask people to end about the future stuff. So your future plans, just to keep doing it, um, get more people involved. Is that the plan? Oh, I'll, I'll never stop with the mission to get more people reading comics because I do love it. Yes. Um, uh, I think the most exciting thing we have is the film comp. We've got Theatrix, which is a Kickstarter. That's coming out next month as well. I've got to send out rewards. Cool. Um, my next title I'm making is... Oof. There's actually four in the works. I don't know which one to pick. Um, okay, I'll tell you one I was writing today. The one I'm writing today is called uh, Traveller. It's set in very early 1900s in uh, Russia. Nice. And this guy is... You know What? I'm not going to tell you a thing about it. <laughs> Damn it! Uh, I was so close to like you know this long form. I was like, he's letting his guard down. He's going to tell me something interesting, and I was like, no, I can't tell you. Damn, God damn it! But um, anyway, no, it's totally fine. But I mean, that's cool. You're working on something called Traveller. The fact that you said 1900 Russia got me interested. So that was a good tease. So let's leave it at that. If you don't know what to say anymore, but um, I'll, but I'll just quickly tell you what happens in the in the first three pages. Okay. 
because he's writing a letter. He's a bit older, and it's flashback. It says the last time I wrote a letter, it wasn't nice, and, he, and he's younger, and, he go, and his letter's writing. It says life is shit. <laughs> And he goes... Um, Already interested. <laughs> my, uh, yeah. uh, my, my father died in battle when I was young. My mother never recovered uh, financially or emotionally, and she's, like, drinking herself to death. And he's still a kid. Yeah. Now, here I am, an officer's son, tending sheep. Disease sheep. I can't sell their wool. I can't eat their meat. But I'm not going to wallow in misery. I'm a man of action. He takes out his rifle, his, his handgun, and he blows the brains out of the sheep because it put them out of misery. <laughs> and he saves the bullet for himself when he turns, when suddenly, and that's as far as you get. Ah, brilliant. Brilliant. What a tease. Uh, see, you are, you are good at selling. Uh, but there you go. So, okay, that's cool. That's really cool. So, that's really, really great. And, like, so, um, I guess because I might get emails about this, so I might as well just ask you while we're still here, is if, like, do you, do you, like, solicit things? As in, do pe- can people send you ideas and stuff like that? Or is it- Yeah, we, we've changed the model on this one because we've got a lot of solicitations. So, it all goes back to editing. Um Rather than publishing uh, people's stuff off the off the bat, what we do is you, they have to, we can say you're an artist, but they will actually create the content themselves and they will make it. But I edit it at the script stage, at the art stage, at the coloring and the lettering. I'm highly involved in the process. That's yeah. why that's ad. Um, so we don't take we don't you don't you don't pay us for us that, but we take money off the back end of it. Yeah. And I genuinely believe, and you can you can have testimonials I'll send from people who've done work for us in the past. We will make your comic better. Yeah. I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever. I'm I like that. Happy. I like that business model because it basically is saying if you put the effort in, we will reward you by being involved. Like that's essentially yeah. what you're saying, which uh, I think is a much better way of getting people like motivated to be involved because I think in my experience when I've done these things from all different businesses like we talked about is that whenever I talk to people is they're very like sort of fearful is that they're going to get their idea taken from them and you're basically saying that's not what you're doing at all which is I think the the best way of doing it is that you're just making their idea better as opposed to just stealing their content (laughs) not not that people do not that I'm saying that's what people are implying but I think that's what people are scared of is my point is that um, they have to think what what their end game is what they actually want because If they are this idea, it could be brilliant. It can sell millions. Really, how many of those actually happen? Yeah. What's going to mass- what's going to increase the chance of that happening? Yeah, exactly. Also, um, did, I know I've re- referred to the board game industry. I'm Larry, Larry Rosnai, who runs Mayfair Games, who makes that as a Gatan, which is one of the like huge, huge, yeah. huge game. Um, he made a really, really great point of going. I always get people going like, "Oh, I want to get in the board game industry and make a game that sells millions and millions of copies." And Larry Rosnai goes. Well, if you want to be in the board game industry, that's the last thing you want to do. <laughs> and he's like, why? And he's like, because um, if you go in the board game industry, you must do it because you're passionate, because that's once in a blue moon that you get games that do that. So only be involved in the board game industry if it's what you want to do, because there's very few people that make a huge amount of money. Um, so it, it, which issues like I, I can tell they get disheartened when they say that because they just assume, like you know, to your point, like oh, I'm going to make a comic book and it's going to sell you know millions and millions of copies, and it's like that's unrealistic. Is that you start slow and build your way up, and like if you're really passionate about it, you'll get maybe get there one day, but um, you have to care about it first. Um, so that's that's what I always say to people, and I, I think that that was good, a good, a good, um, a good uh, a bit of advice. So I, I think that's applicable here. Um, okay, great. Well, uh, I'll wrap this up. Thanks so much, Neil, for coming on. It was really, really interesting. I had a great time. 
Um, no problem. Um, so yeah, a uh, huge thank you to Neil. Obviously, like he says, go to tpubcomics.co.uk and you'll find out some uh, about the film competition we just mentioned and all the other comic books that they do. And uh, are you on uh, the tweets and stuff, Neil? Yes, it's uh, Pub Comics. All right, awesome. Well, that, that, thank you for me having a handle. It's so easy to remember. I'm dyslexic, so I always go like, "Can you write that down for me?" <laughs> I think. Well, my personal one is Twisted Neil, but I, I'm so bad at social media, so I have to. Go yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not great. I just realised I hadn't like tweeted for about five days or something, so I really need to fix that. Um, but anyway, yeah. So obviously, you can follow him on uh, Twitter and stuff like that. I'll obviously uh, let people know in the description so they can uh, they can follow if they so desire. Um, but huge thank you to Neil. Uh, thank you for listening to the the latest episode of the Geek Partners podcast. Obviously, Merry Christmas, because this will be released afterwards. Uh, Merry Christmas, Neil, by the way. Um, and also, just to reiterate, uh, if you obviously are uh, listening to this on iTunes, please do consider subscribing to us. And obviously, you'll get the episodes as soon as they come out, and as soon as they're released, which is great, and obviously helps us, um, because you download all the episodes when they come out, which is pretty cool. So, huge thank you to everybody. I'll end the podcast like I always end, the words in the great B-movie robot, Josh, Crash, and Burn. And we'll see you very soon for another edition of the Geek Podcast. Thanks, guys. Bye.